You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Throw that's Shepard, Sterling Shepard inside the thirty. What a comeback by the Giants! Touchdown. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, hopefully our listeners have not jumped off the ledge after last week, and you know, asking to be rational is too much at this point, but at least everybody's calmed down a little bit and just is on this ride, this crazy ride we are on right now with free agency and the draft as we try to rebuild a disaster that is our New York football giants. It's a tough pill to swallow. I mean, it, it happened in, in two quick punches to the gut, I think, with Landon Collins departing. He was a fan favorite and, and, and a good player, uh, followed pretty quickly by Beckham being traded away. You know, one is a little different than the other. Deciding that you're not going to re-sign a fan favorite who's also a great player is one thing. Uh, but to actively shop another player, which is what happened, um, is quite another, especially when he might be the best at his position. Uh, to top it all off, I, you know, giant. I feel bad for the social media director for the Giants has to somehow hype up that move, and uh, they did not mention Beckham's name at all. <laughs> well, he's not on the team anymore. I mean, but I mean, no like even yeah. just like Giants acquire Jabril Peppers, like. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a tough job. But, you know, all the while, people who follow Beckham on Instagram are seeing all these highlights that he's posting. It's, it's tough to watch, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the tougher pill to swallow, I think, for Giant fans even more so. I and mean, maybe this may be a generational thing where someone like me is impacted more than a millennial or something is that we are there's no fooling in ourselves anymore. We're not trying to rebuild and win. We are now trying to rebuild. And that means tearing everything down. That means, you know, you grow attached to somebody, whether he's been with the team for four years, five years, 10 years, you know, there are, there is no more loyalty anymore. And we'll talk about Eli and this, you know, the, the media narrative about, you know, the unbridled loyalty to Eli. It's different. Uh, you know, guys are going to get moved and it's all about the future. We're going to talk about the quote unquote plan. What is Gettleman's plan? And, you know, it's not for you to know what it is right now. It's not for you to understand as we speak on the third week in March. Um, you know, we had to let things play out a little longer, but, you know, it's that reality that this team has sucked for the last two years has been one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, to be very honest, since the last Super Bowl, it's been one of the worst teams in the NFL, say for one year we made the playoffs. And fooling yourself that this is, well, just a couple players away from competing, you know, that's over. And maybe it took bringing in a whole new front office and a head coaching staff to realize that. But that is where we are right now. And nothing gets saved at this point. Well, you said two really important things. And for starters, you know, the last, I don't know, it's fairly recent. I would say the last 10 years, and even that's a stretch, has been such a a tremendous amount of insight with the, with like Twitter and Instagram and the instant knowing of things and 
things lasting forever on the internet. You know what I mean? A quote. I mean, there, there's literally a Twitter account called All Takes Exposed, and the whole job is to take something and, mm-hmm. you know, I guess show either hypocrisy or just when things are wrong and bad predictions and you know right. and it, a lot of it is exposing coach speak honestly and you know coach speak is really to just calm people down in the moment it may not be the truth and often isn't but the idea that that i think we are all become so accustomed to that instant insight that we deserve to know what the plan is and like quite frankly i don't want to know what the plan is i want to guess at it and be right but i don't want it to be so obvious that i the fan can figure it out because that means that the geniuses that work for other teams know the plan as well i don't want to know i don't don't want want it to be obvious i don't want the five teams ahead of me knowing what our plan is before it's time to draft and quite frankly that was a common criticism of the giants in the draft with mark ross yeah. Wasn't it that, that every team was jumping us because they knew who we were going to take? Hey, there's a lot of Giant fans who listen to this podcast that are also New York Knicks fans. And they remember how we drooled about Steph Curry before the, during the draft and Golden State picked him right before. If maybe if we wouldn't, you know, didn't walk around with a big boner for him, maybe he slips down one more spot. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't want to hear the truth from my GM or my coach this time of year. I want smoke screens. I, I, I want this to be, I want them to be fucking Pocahontas with all the smoke I want blowing. I, I don't want the truth coming out because, you know, again, we're talking about the plan. And just because we don't know what the plan is, the guys inside the uh, Quest Diagnostic Center know there's a plan and they are executing to a plan. And it does not help the plan when they, you know, they drop their when pants. When they have to constantly answer questions. Like, fuck Francesa. Fuck people that, that honestly need to know everything. We'll find out. And, like, even if you know and you're like, oh, let's just say, for instance, Gettleman is super honest up front, says, hey, look, we're looking to keep Eli Manning till next year so that we can draft, you know, Jake Fromm or Tua. Like, you're not going to know whether that's a good move anyway. So why do you need to know now? You're not going to see the product of that right away. You and might if you don't agree like with the, it in the, but like, it, and it's if you just don't so like stupid. It, what are you going to do? do? Sell your season tickets, not renew, because yeah. you don't like the you don't like how the plan is being executed three weeks into, or not even three weeks, a week into free agency before the yeah, draft. Well, that's that's you know? the other part of it, and and this is where it ventures from the fans, the fans, you know, being fans and reactionary and whatever to the the media kind of jumping in on this. And that's where I'm a little bit annoyed, but prominent media figures saying things like, you know, the giants would rather, or can't afford Landon Collins, but can afford a $23 million on Eli Manning. The draft hasn't happened yet. Nothing's happened. It's been a week. They haven't done anything with Eli Manning. That's okay. That doesn't even mean that they're committed to him this year. And even if they are, it's the last year of his fucking contract anyway. You know, as if you have like some other plan. You know what I mean? Like there is time. This plan is not done yet. It's so silly to me to, to jump to a conclusion like that without even time passing yet. Yeah, this happened all before he got his roster bonus. You know, yeah. like the, this, this assumptions. Okay, so he got the roster bonus. That still doesn't mean they're one hundred percent committed to Eli. They may have to just eat that five million dollars if they, you know, Josh Rosen falls into their lap or something happens in the draft or who knows what. But 
Yeah, it's just the whole thing about this committed to Eli. It's I just can't understand how an entire media complex and a fan base is just so wrong with, with that characterization. They are not committed to Eli. At this moment in time, they have no other alternative. And, and, and doing a They're, thing like trading for Josh Rosen is something I fully support, but it involves another team. It's not something that just because it's not yet. the first <laughs> thing that happened doesn't mean it won't happen. You know, right. and the, the, they're like, oh, they're going to, they'd rather have Eli Manning in the roster. The, the fucking draft didn't even happen. Yeah. Acting like the whole plan is already, like the whole offseason's over already because other teams have made some moves. It just blows my mind. Like, guys, wait a little bit, huh? I mean, like. And also, be a little more, you know, one of the things we always, we talked about a lot. And one of the things I said we'd never trade Eli, uh, Odell Beckham was. The dead money on the cap, the dead money on the cap. And yeah, it's a huge number. If you are trying to pick up some free agents, if you are making a run, the Giants have entered officially that long-term rebuild where the dead cap money in 2019 now isn't as important as having potentially 90 to $100 million next year. Oh my God, it's crazy. I'm not even sure right. what the hell we're going to do with all that money. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, again, I was one of the, and I will admit, I said they would never trade him because, you know, of the, of the $21 million dead cap money and, you know, get just cutting Eli for the, the dead money. But we've all come to that realization that 2019 is not the year. <laughs> Nothing is happening this year. So the need to, Get free agents this year on a long-term basis is nil. So yeah. we suffer through this year, and then that dead cap money goes away. And then, like we we just said, we have probably probably the top quadrant for sure, if not one of the, the most cap money of anybody next year. You know, a second good draft by Gettleman, a draft next year. Then maybe we start talking about building for the future. We are augmenting free agency with three solid draft classes. So don't freak out as much as you would have three, six months ago about how it's dead cap spaces this year, because after this year, that's not a, that's a moot point. I've never seen so many people talk out of both sides of their ass so much as I have recently in the past two years. The, the hugest argument of, you know, it's so important to have a, a quarterback on a rookie deal. So you don't have to pay him so much money. And then, you know, at the same time talking about, you know, the the uh, the the cap now, and you know, we have twelve draft picks. If the if the formula to win is to get as many great players on rookie deals as possible, you know, fuck the free agency. What do you want the What do you want the cap space for from Eli Manning for? What do, What are you wanting to do with that extra space? And you said it yourself, like, what's the point in signing a free agent this year? I mean, if sure, if you have the opportunity to pick up a guy who's in the prime of his career, you're not signing him for this year. You're signing him for the future because you believe in that player, you know, and that's that's fine. If if that's your argument, then you have to point out that person because, yeah, you know, it's that, not exactly a superstar studded free agency this year. I mean, I think the the best might have been the right tackle market and it was but, like Jawan James, et cetera. It's, it's nothing crazy. But I think the Giants don't want the, the clock to start on these guys now in a useless year. 
I well, mean, I, again, I, it de- it depends on the player. I mean, if you have a guy like JJ Watt entering the free agent market, it's a you have a chance to get him this year. Maybe you're not competing this year, but you know. But I, wanna, getting, I, I don't want to pay for like a JPP with JJ Watt money, and that's no, that's, no, no. That's, that's what I'm saying. It depends on the yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to be very frank, a JJ Watt is not looking at the Giants. You know, someone a, a, an elite guy like that who has his pick of where he can go. You know. He's not coming here. Not in two thousand nineteen. I mean, whatever. whatever. If 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 you can make a run at somebody, you might as well throw it at them. If they take it, they take it. Whatever. Mm -hmm. But the 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 point I'm making is, I agree with you. You know, this argument about how much cap space we have, and while also complaining that you need to get as many players on rookie deals as possible, it just it's silly to me. I mean. You point out which player it is that you would like to sign that you need all this cap space for, and then we'll have a real conversation about the cap. Until then, shut up. Well, the bottom line, and we've said this a hundred times on this show, and everybody else says the same thing, you build a team through the draft, you fill you fill holes with free agency. The Giants have to build their team right now. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of holes to fill. They're not plugging in holes. They are building, building. a brand new they ship. Are, <laughs> they are building a brand new dam. Yeah. And so the, you know, the only way you can do that and be successful, you know, and I'm, I'm talking successful, not be going from three and 13 to seven and nine. If you want to become a real, you know, make, make one of those quick jumps like Seattle did, like Cleveland potentially could, whoever is draft smart, have the flexibility with that core that's relatively cheap. that You can pick and choose the guys you want to spend on. And, up until last year, we have not been drafting wisely, and we've been spending like drunken sailors in the free agent market. And that's what happens when you become three and thirteen. Yeah, and staying on the on the subject of quarterbacks, another move that was widely criticized for no fucking reason was re-signing Alex Tanny. Who cares? I mean, yeah. it, I mean, for starters, let's just let's just do this. How many guys are signed at this time of year that don't even make the roster? Tons. I mean, yeah, it's a decent chunk. So any move like this where the guy's obviously not a starter is is a depth signing, you know, anything like can happen with this. Uh, you know, the draft, if the way the draft falls could completely alter any minor signing like this. I mean, case in point would be Omame last year. Definitely signed to be a left guard. Better option came in the draft. Move him to right guard, and you know we'll move on from there. The offensive line needs fixing anyway. You know if, if for some stupid reason Kyler Murray falls to the sixth pick and the Giants are in love with him, fuck Alex Tanny, right? I mean, <laughs> fuck Eli at that point. I mean, yeah, really, exactly. So <laughs> it throws everything into. I mean, the the minor amount of money they're throwing at Alex Tanny means nothing. Well, the bottom line is, why does anybody even care? I mean, again, the amount of money they're spending on him and the fact that his role is not to beat out Eli Manning. Yeah, his His role is to be in the film room. His his job is to be in the film room. His job is to know the offense. He already knows the offense from last year. So why waste any time with anybody else? I mean, for a – Basically, if you're the Giant fan and and you're nitpicking this, you just have a bone to pick with Gettleman and the lack of a perceived plan. Also, an impatient brat. You're looking. You you are looking for the answer right now, and that's being an impatient brat. You just don't know roster construction. 
you know, there there is a spot on the roster for the backup quarterback, and his job is just to stand there. And and sometimes, you know, the backup quarterback that you signed in March is not the backup quarterback September. Yeah. A lot happens in that time. I mean, what's what's his dead cap number going to be, like a million bucks? I don't know. If that's the case, who cares? looking up. Exactly. Um, I, you know, me all in favor of this signing. It means nothing. And if he has to be the backup quarterback this year, I think that he can do a good enough job to come in for, you know, two quarters and finish out a game if necessary. Listen, I mean, as, we, as good as any team, anybody can on this shit team. Listen, if we draft a quarterback, you know, whoever that may be, every second that you're not spending teaching Alex Tanney the offense because he knows it is more time spent on. Yes your draft pick and on Eli. So why for something that's so insignificant to the success or failure of a team, I don't know why people are getting their you know, balls in a bunch. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I, I guess we should piggyback off of the, uh, the Beckham trade. So, you know, obviously that leaves a gigantic, uh, void at wide receiver. And we talked about how we reevaluated our top five needs and wide receiver enters the mix in a big way. Um, you know, I guess the most recent thing is that Cody Latimer resigned. Um, I don't know the details of his contract. I don't know that it was officially announced by the Giants yet. I think it was only announced by Cody Latimer himself. So until we have the contract numbers, I can't say good move, bad move. What I can say is another familiar move. I think he was contributing decently well. He's he's kind of the, uh, I would say, the taller, deep threat, kind of. You know, I he's guess. not one yeah. of those, like, slant route guys. He's more of, like, the 12-yard out routes or, you know, post routes kind mm-hmm. of guy. Um but as far as his skill set to the offense, good pickup. Right? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is they're not going to have a number 1 superstar wide receiver, but you need guys to throw to. And he was I mean, around he would be like year. the the 3 to 4, you know what I mean? You know, he he's probably yeah. behind Ingram in terms of in terms of uh depth in a certain sense, right? I would say, you know, Golden Tate Shepard, Ingram, and him, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say he's probably about equal with Ellison at this point. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, yeah. It, it's, you know, it's something. Um, and, and you, yeah, Golden Tate was uh, probably the biggest signing they've they've had so far. Um, a lot's been made of the fact that he's 30. Um, you know, older, wouldn't say old. I'd say he's kind of a I hate to say this, but he's kind of like a placeholder right now. Oh, absolutely. He's 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 he's, he's a uh, bridge the gap. Let me ask you a question, Grump. Let's say we're in an alternative universe and Beckham is still a giant, and Sterling Shepard is a free agent this year. Would you rather have Sterling Shepard or Golden Tate on your roster as your number two receiver? Uh, because they are they are this very, year. You mean or uh. Or ne- like, would you rather re-sign Sterling Shepard next year? What are you, yeah, what are you asking me? L- l- yeah, that's what I'm asking. I guess. Would you rather re-sign Sterling Shepard, or would you rather sign Golden Tate? Because they both are kind of slot guys. They're they're similar in skill set. Um, you know, I I know a lot of people would err on Sterling Shepard a because they're more familiar with him, and b because he's younger. But I think that Golden Tate might give you more of a chance to win now. I mean, I, I like Sterling Shepard a lot. 
don't get me wrong, but you know they 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 might play the same position, but they play it a little differently. I think Golden Tate's a little bit tougher. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think I think he goes right into hits. Um, I think maybe he goes up and gets the ball a little bit better, but these are really minor nitpicks, I would say, in Sterling Shepard's game. I would say that Shepard is probably quicker and faster, um, and I think he's probably smoother in the open field. Um, I don't really know which one of them is the better route runner. They're probably even there. I I think they're just slightly different. Um, you, You know, I don't think it's terrible one way or another. I mean, at that point... If you have Beckham still in the roster and, you know, hypothetically speaking, we draft Dwayne Haskins, you're sort of entering a win now ish kind of thing. I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if Golden Tate were the signing over Sterling Shepard. I don't know that it's a huge, massive difference to you. Wait, did you just say if, if we draft Dwayne Haskins, we're kind of in a win now mode? Not not win now is in 2019. We're we're talking about 2020 now, right? If we are, we're talking about re-signing Shepard, right? Yeah. I yeah. Guess so the decision I, becomes yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because now now you're sort of entering a, a a a winner's mode at that point. By next year, yeah, with with the cap space that you have with Eli Manning gone, you know, you have your quarterback of the future. I guess you've rebuilt the offensive line a little bit. I mean, still to see how that goes, but um, do you think? Sterling Shepard will command as much as Golden Tate on the open market next year. Uh, yeah, I probably more. More. Yeah, I I would say about that or more. I mean, it, what what he commands in the market depends on the market. Um, it's I would say almost more than what he commands based on his tape. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm not really sure what the market's going to look like next year. You know, all sorts of things can affect that too, like an injury or a surprise cut, a surprise retirement, um, or just a bad year by somebody. Uh, but I think that Sterling Shepard probably commands a lot more money than. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's a guy coming off a rookie contract. Those guys always attract the most money, right? Uh, so. Yeah, I think he I think he commands a decent salary. I think I think also when other teams look at a guy like Sterling Shepard, they're like, that's a good player that was on a shit team, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that Sterling Shepard stepped up his game enough in all the time that Beckham was out? Remember, he has Beckham missed uh a lot of Sterling Shepard all of almost all of last almost all of 2 years ago. And then and, four uh, games of four games of last year. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, I don't know that it's really fair to say that. I, I'll, I'll say no, but the reason why I don't know it's fair is that I don't really think that he plays all the positions that Beckham does. Mm-hmm. Beckham plays every single wide receiver position there is. Shit, man, he threw two touchdowns last year. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just trying to get a gauge on what his market value is going to be next year because, uh, you know, somebody will probably overspend to make him a one, and he's not. But Maybe, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, he's like a nice guy to have, but again, I, I don't know if I'm overspending if I'm on the open market. He's the perfect draft pick. I mean, he's, he's a guy you would want on a low deal because yeah. he's not going to carry your team, I don't think. Right, right. So people as a complimentary piece for cheap, great. Mm -hmm. Um, You know. That being said, we now have a hundred million dollars 
to spend next year. So who knows if he stays or goes? Well, that's the thing. Those decisions we're going to have to make next year. What's be very interesting is, you know, the talent that we have, who do we want to retain? You know, yeah. we don't want any more Landon Collins decisions. Hopefully if somebody, you know, if this is 2020, Landon Collins is a giant. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I like the Golden Tate signing, and you know, people are bitching and moaning about twenty-three million guaranteed. What do you care about the guaranteed money? Yeah, it's not your money. <laughs> we have all the cap space in the world next year. We're not winning this year, so who cares? And for what it's worth, for people complaining that he's you know ancient, I mean, he's thirty now. He's on a four-year deal that can effectively be a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not a bad signing, in my opinion. I mean, it's not remarkable. I'm not going to laud it as great, but it's it's a Okay, it's fine. I mean, just remember what we had to go through in 2017 with no receivers. I mean, how bad it was. We were getting guys literally off the street. You know, so you, you need you need some talent, you know. Um, you know, and for for all the uh the people I and I, this is so silly, but it's something I've seen uh <laughs> people who want Dwayne Haskins, one of the big reasons why is because, you know, he's a this area guy who cares he wants to be a giant and golden tate is the same way i don't know if he's local but he i guess he was but he apparently he posted pictures of him as a child in giants gear and he always wanted to be a giant that's great and you know maybe a guy plays a little bit harder for a team that he's always wanted to play for you know maybe but this isn't a rookie coming in playing for his dream team this is a dude who knows that the business side these guys are professionals. I mean, that yeah. that is, you know, that's one thing. Even in college, you see a lot of the time, like, oh, you know, Florida was my dream school growing up, blah, 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 blah. I'm signing with Clemson. You know, it's, <laughs> and was, these are high school kids, you know, when you, you get to become professional in the NFL and someone, you know, you're talking how old he is, he's 30. I mean, I don't think, te- I don't think guys like that have favorite teams anymore. I mean, they are, you know, uh, yeah, I know it's they're playing a kid's game, but these guys are professionals. This is their job. This is what they do for a living. So Not for that, nothing, but at 30, you're kind of looking at the rest of your life again. Yeah, yeah. So. so I don't think that plays one factor. And also, I don't think it should play one factor at all into we should get this guy because he's a local guy. That should have, real, zero, yeah. have zero bearing. That's stuff that... You know, it sounds good. Those are for puff pieces for the Daily News. And, you know, you see that a lot, like, you know, in the Daily News and the Post, like stuff about the Yankees. You know, some guy who's going to be a free agent. Oh, he grew up in his bar mitzvah. He had a Yankee uh, cake and what all this old horseshit. Doesn't mean anything. It's where the green goes is where these guys want to play for. And, you know, they're, I guarantee you, if you polled every guy in the NFL and say, you know, a, do you even have a favorite team anymore? And B, do you play harder against them, or do you want them still to win? They'll say all of them will say no. So that's moot points. I agree with you. Do you think that it is a pattern though? Because I'm going to start listing some guys for you: Saquon Barkley, Bronx kid, grew up Giants fan, right? Golden Tate came from around here. I don't know where. Giants fan. Jabril Peppers, New Jersey kid, grew up Giants fan. Are we seeing a pattern or no? Or am I just connecting dots? I think you're just connecting dots. Okay, that's fair. I, I mean, none of these guys, you know, even played college up here locally. I mean, I guess Barkley well, was close Barkley enough. Barkley kind of did, yeah. Kind of, but I mean, I, I don't think it's uh, – I think it's just coincidence personally. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I agree that, with you. I, I'm only stuff, now thinking about that. So that's the type of stuff like the, uh, you know, the Alliance does, where they have. Uh, that's why Johnny Manziel is not playing with San Antonio because they had his rights because he played at Texas A&M. I thought he was playing in Memphis. Right, because San Antonio was interested in him. Oh, okay. Right, but they had they had first right because of territorial rights based on where they went gotcha. to school. That's the only those you know gimmicky leagues that are trying to get attendance because the local hero is coming back. Mm-hmm. They care about that stuff. The National Football League, it, it, it's irrelevant. Actually, though, that kind of let's segue that a little bit into something else, which there is an absolute pattern is guys that Gettleman or Betcher have worked with in the past. That is no coincidence that you're seeing well, tons of old Carolina Panthers, old Arizona Cardinals on this team. Here, here's what I'll say about, about that. So last year it was a lot of Shermer guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of that is – and, and it goes into this year being a lot of better guys. It's a rebuild thing, right? You get stopgap solutions to get the team competitive, get you know these guys that know the system pretty well, they know the terminology, to help the guys that you bring in through the draft, right? Mm-hmm. And then you abandon ship pretty much with those, those stopgap solutions. I, I 100% agree with you, and I 100% agree with what they're trying to do. I think Me too, yeah. I'm, making, I'm fine with it. Making- they're making a long-term – sorry, Giant fans. They're making a long-term commitment to Dave Gettleman and this coaching staff. This is not going to be something where if they are 4-12 and 12 this year, they're not firing them. I mean they are committed to this coaching staff, this front office. So that means not only are you committing to these coaching staffs, you're, commoting, you're, you're committing to their systems. You're committing to James Betcher's defense. You're committing to Pat Shermer's offense. Now the names may change. You know, a coordinator may, you know, leave and, and replaced by somebody. You know, a, a position coach may come and go. But these are the systems they're trying to do. So when you're trying to implement a new culture on a team, you want familiarity in the beginning. You know, I remember when Steve Spurrier became the coach at Washington. He brought in like six or seven old Florida Gators. Not because he liked them, because they were friends of his, because they knew the offense that he ran at Florida. And yes, they brought in a Danny Werfel. They brought in a Rex Grossman at the time just so they can show uh, Ramsey and have him adapt to this offense that they were installing with guys who knew that offense inside and out. Now, you know, you need the talent to execute it, but, you know, especially in this kind of going to be a lost season 2019. You might as well have the guys who know exactly what these coaches want to do to make th- this transition complete. We said at the beginning of last year how, you know, what a train wreck the offensive line was, and we and Grump said it several times to get me off the ledge even. It takes a while to install an offense. And, you know, strides are made after week five, and strides are made in year two. You know, it's best to get the guys who know how to run it in to help move that along. I think what we saw is they saw enough of Saquon Barkley to know that they can build an offense around him. Um, so you're going to see minor investments in the offense this year to complement him. You're going to see a Golden Tate signing just to get a receiver. 
back off of Odell Beckham a little bit. But the big acquisition was a guard. Yes. There's going to be a lot on blocking. And to be honest with you, and not to go off too far on the tangent, don't be surprised if you see a really good tight end drafted or an Evan Ingram traded or let go in the next, this year or next year. Mm -hmm. You know, Evan Ingram may pose himself a a vertical or pass-catching threat, but there was – I guarantee that there was a meeting between Dave Gettleman and the Maris before he was hired where he said, if you want to win, you need to get back to Giants football. And I know that sounds stupid because it is stupid because the Giants don't own a brand of football. But the idea of forget all the passing, forget this this down-the-field offense and this – you know, this shaky offensive line and spending all the money and draft picks on wide receivers, you need to get tough. You need a tough offensive line. You need to run the ball. You need to run people over. You need to stop the run. You know what I mean? I, I, I honestly think that that, and that is speaking to what you said, is they're committed to this now. This is a, a multi-year investment. The mayor is, you know, what happened with um, Ben McAdoo was, a very unique situation in giant history. The Giants are not known as a team that bails on a coach after two years or three years. Yes. I mean, there have been some some examples of it happening in the past, but, you know, the Jim Fossils were there for years. The, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, uh, even like the Ray Perkins were around for a long time. He left on his own, you know, to go to Alabama. It's not like, you know, this isn't the uh, the Cleveland Browns or the Jets where they just, you know, five coaches in nine years. They are committed to coaches for a long time. Um, but one thing I will challenge you a little bit for, you know, what is giant football? I think that down the field was kind of what you can define giant football up until the Ben McAdoo era came and became the offensive coordinator. I think we need to get away from this quick little passing game and, you know, and get back to maybe the combination of running the ball and throwing downfield more. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah. My, my point was is I believe that there was a, a message in that interview where Dave Gettleman said the way to win is to get tough and be able to run the ball. After that, you can oh, yeah. throw to your t- – you know, those Mark Bavaro highlights of him getting a pass eight yards down the field and running over people, you know, Or, or just whatever. Super Bowl 25 I mean, it, and having – you know, being able to have 40 minutes of time possession against Buffalo. Yeah. You know, things like that. Uh, the one thing I do not think is going to happen, though, and I've seen a couple of people afraid of this, I don't think you're going to see a situation where Barkley's, you know, running the ball 30, 35, 40 times a game and they're going to wear him out. I just That's not what this offense is, and I don't think they want to do that to Barkley and just put too many miles on the tires this early in his career. Well, no, no but matter how see- bad – no matter how bad the passing game will be this year, potentially. I will say Barkley is in a unique position is that he is not Le'Veon Bell, where Le'Veon Bell will get 30-plus carries a game, and he's he's the kind of guy with his skill set and the offensive line he was behind will turn three-yard gains into six, seven-yard gains. Barkley is, I think, the kind of guy who's a home-run hitter. I mean, he, again, he's a guy who's going to take your, your negative one-yard runs and make them into two- or three-yard gains, but... You know, with better blocking, more consistent blocking, I don't think he needs 30 touches a game to be deadly. I mean, he he'll rip off 20 yards if he has good blocking. We've and also, seen it, you know, and also his 30 carries might translate to way Barkley plays to be 11 receptions and 20 carries. Yes, yeah, and I I agree that that might happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, that's kind of what happened last year. 
Yeah. I mean, sometimes we were like, why isn't he – he's only run the ball three, four times in the half or something. And also, you know, having a better offensive line, you know, I'm very curious to see. I think his game might be totally different this year than it was last year because there, there might, God forbid, be some holes or at least a little bit of a push where, you know, he's basically running for his life on every play and trying to create something literally out of nothing. Well, we saw that change in him in the middle of the year where they – Pat Shermer had to sort of, I don't want to say discipline, but, you know, give him a little bit of patience and trust and confidence in the play mm-hmm. where, hey, don't bounce them all outside. Trust that this will open up. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. And we saw that shift in the way he ran midway through the year. It happens um, with all rookies, too. I think so. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it happens with greater or le- less success, you know, the bouncing of the plays for most right. rookies. but. Yeah. You know, there was a little bit of a, hey, trust the process kind of thing, and his running style changed a little bit. And I th- I don't think they want to overhaul him. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think his no, running no, style I, will change as as the, the line is able to actually open shit for him. His oh, ability to make people miss can happen at any level, the second level, in the backfield, wherever the hell it happens. That's his oh, skill set. That's what he does. I think it'll be subtle changes. I don't think, I'm not all of a sudden expecting, oh, who's this guy behind You know, yeah. running the ball? But you'll see some subtle changes for things you did not see last year because there'll be more opportunities for him to have to create every time he, he runs the ball. You know, so so speaking of this, um, these these bringing in these better guys, right? And that's the, last year. I think more of the focus was on the offense and getting that shit squared away, getting a foundation built. Whether you know, obviously they're not building around Eli Manning; they're just kind of playing out his contract. But now I think they're trying to really build the foundation for James Betcher's defense, since it was atrocious last year. Um, and they brought in three ex Cardinals that played under Betcher. Um, defensive lineman Olsen Pierre, since uh, it looks like Josh Morrow is signing elsewhere. He's going to be a rotational defensive end guy, had five and a half sacks. Um, safety Antoine Bethay, and the, the, the biggest signing uh, pass rusher, I guess you could say edge, outside linebacker, whatever you want to call him, but Marcus Golden, mm-hmm. um, who tore his ACL last year early on, was miscast in the revamped Cardinals 4-3 defense where he's not a fit. Uh, but had I think I think twelve and a half sacks in twenty seventeen under Betcher. That's correct. Yeah. So, um, Marcus Golden is obviously the the guy who's probably taking on a bit of the Olivier Vernon role, right? I would say he's probably starting opposite Lorenzo Carter. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And and solid Roam pickup. around he's a little up. bit. Yeah. What's what's great is that it's a one year deal. I mean, you don't know what you're getting with a guy who tours ACL in October. I mean, it's not that long ago, October. Sure, sure. So is he gonna be, is he gonna be ready for like minicamp or what's what's his uh, expected? Uh, you know, when he can go full it, blast. It's interesting. I haven't heard a whole lot about it. Um, my assumption is that he'll be ready for at least you know. Jesus, I almost said spring training, uh, training camp in the summer, which, you know, for a guy who's been a veteran in the league or he's been around a little bit, mini camp is slightly less important. He's a guy who already knows most of the system. So I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, he's not a, mm-hmm. he's not a rookie. So, um, yeah, my assumption is that he'll be good by training camp. All right. Uh, and one, one year deal. If it's something where, you know, it just doesn't work out, no harm, no foul. If he's, you know, outplays that one year deal. We'll worry about it next year. 
Oh yeah, and if he outplays it, remember we have a hundred million dollars. And it sounds like I sound like Doctor Evil saying that, but <laughs> we have a hundred million dollars next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so get a better version of him if we if we want to potentially. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, he's he's twenty eight, so he's probably due for one more, one more. Uh, I don't know. By he'll be twenty nine by then, so you know maybe four or five year deal, probably four year deal, depending on how good he plays. I would say yeah. four years. I think a, a depending on how healthy he is, B how how well he plays. I mean the health's gonna be the biggest thing. Well I mean I I don't know how well he's going to play if he's not healthy, but No, I mean yes if Poovy can stay on the field for the whole year and then Oh yeah, sure, sure yeah. Second thing would be, you know I don't know that he's had an injury history outside of the torn ACL. Yeah, but this is a big one though. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Um but yeah, so so Marcus Golden, uh, I don't know any Giant fan that could possibly complain about that and have any credibility whatsoever. Hey man, it's a trend building. They're getting guys named Golden. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or I mean the fact that he's ex-Cardinal. That yeah. leads us back to Antoine Bethay. Uh, so obviously Bethay is not supposed to come in and be Landon Collins. I think Bethay is a guy who's going to come in and uh, he knows the system. <laughs> Yeah. Again, that's it. I mean, I sure he's old as shit. That's fine. It's he is not coming in to be the foundation that this defense is built around. He's basically, you know, he's Betcher's guy at level three of this defense. Marcus Golden is Betcher's guy at level two of this defense, and you know maybe Olson Pierre is Betcher's guy at level one of this defense. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. He's able to communicate to the position groups what's expected, where they need to be in coverage, what gaps they need to fill, what gaps they need to shoot. You know what I mean? Uh, and Bethay is, he's been around the league. I mean, he's played with multiple teams. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to get into this now. So we, we had like a whole safeties thing planned here. Uh, mm-hmm. Bethay is probably going to be showing Jabril Peppers what to do. Um, Peppers is the guy that they're going to build around now. It's just – it's the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, still a young guy, still uh, – Still on his rookie contract, I believe, still right? Contract. It's only, yeah, it's only his third year. Yeah, and they will have a fifth-year option on him because mm-hmm. he was a first-round pick. That's right. Um, so what Peppers and Bethay do really well I think is what Betcher likes to do, and that's have safeties that play all over the fucking field. Um, you know, play down in the box – Basically, as a linebacker in the in the slot position, coming off the edge, playing single high, you know, covering tight ends, covering wide receivers, they're all over the place. Bethay does it well. Although I would say, with the age that has sapped his speed, I would say he's probably going to be playing a little bit more in the box and in zone coverage than anywhere else. But the fact remains is that you can disguise more with the more versatile pieces you have. You know, when when guys can do all sorts of things. You don't know what they're going to do because they can do it all. Peppers is the same way. By the way, Jabril Peppers, I haven't seen anyone mention this. We've been looking for a punt and kick returner for how many years now? Since the Carter administration? Yeah, so Peppers can do that really well. <laughs> just just throwing that out there. Will they use him in that capacity? I mean, the Cardinals used him for it just last year. Uh, yeah. Sorry, the Browns used him for that Browns. just last year. Um, not that we're... That level of coaching staff, but <laughs> or that level of depth that we can do that either. Sure, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so and, and Peppers does the same thing. He can play deep if he needs to. He can play zone really well. Uh, you know, he can play off the edge. He can play in the slot position. They're going to move around. Now, that being said, here, here's what our projected stars are probably going to be Antoine Bethea and Jabril Peppers, right? With a healthy dose of Michael Thomas, he played pretty well for them last year. Right. Um, and the, the undrafted free agent Sean Chandler they got from Temple played basically in a starting position in, yeah. in place of Landon Collins at the end of the year. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. obviously not a scrub. Um, <laughs> that, that's good. But again, you know, like I said, Antoine Bethea is not the future of this team. So just because they acquired Jabril Peppers does not mean that they are out of getting a safety. I mean, right. even without losing Landon Collins, say they resigned him, there was still a need to help him out back there. That's something – I definitely see in the draft them picking up another safety for sure. And maybe higher than you think. I agree with you. And so I went through and I I watched the top safeties and I have to say the more I watched them, the more solidified they felt into a single position. Now I'm not a scout, so I'm not the kind of person who can see them play a certain way in college and say, you know, I think he can also do this. I mean, I don't get to see them in practice. You know, I don't get to see their pro days, or whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't. Right. So for me, it was really hard to say, see Jonathan Abram, who's like the consensus number one safety playing all over the place. You know, I think he has a little bit of trouble in coverage. Uh, Nasir Adderley from Delaware was a guy I super liked as a, as a pairing for Landon Collins because he's a true free safety who can play high and has, you know, great sideline to sideline speed. But I don't think that's what Betcher wants. I don't think that that's what this defense is built to do. You know, so as I go down this list, the first guy who really jumps off the map is the guy I was the most familiar with as being versatile and playing a bunch of positions, and that was Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Which I think is really interesting because, you know, yes, he plays, you know, he made his he's going to make his money from Florida from being a nickel, which he did best. But he did play some safety his sophomore year and quite honestly was atrocious. He couldn't tackle was part of his problem and he wasn't very good in space out there either. So it's interesting that you project him to potentially be a safety. Well, again, a guy who can play free safety, but shouldn't play it all the time. I mean, when I look at what Johnson did last year, I'm, I'm just going to call him Gardner. It's weird to call him Gardner Johnson. I think, Johnson. I've been calling him Gardner for three years, two years, all of a sudden he becomes Gardner Johnson. So, <laughs> when he plays, well, first of all, if you watch the bowl game from last year, he played like an animal. If you watch his three bowl games, just the tape of those three games he played in, you would think this guy was an All American. I mean, he had, I think he had pick sixes in two of the three bowl games. He was the MVP. When he was a freshman, he he made his living on bowl games alone. We had two picks in the last one. One of them was a pick six. But when right. he plays the nickel, I mean, he kind of is also playing the box sometimes too. And I think he's actually really good at tackling there. I mean, in space, maybe he struggles a little bit. Again, he was also a sophomore, mm-hmm. you know, when, when he struggled at safety. I, I think that his versatility and and this is something i've seen as a consensus from other scouts and other people who have watched him is he really can play all over the place mm-hmm. um oh sure his his you know his uh crowded space quickness allows him to play the nickel really well 
and, and you know, who might complain about that? I mean, he also plays big for a guy who's only six feet, which is which is pretty big for a safety. That's about what you want. Uh, but I mean, I think he plays pretty well against guys that are taller than him. He's, he's aggressive also, and physical. He's also a leader too. I mean, yes, as soon as and that was the he, next point. I had. He announced right after the Florida State game that he was going pro. He didn't wait till you know after the you know the season was over. He's like, I am going pro, but I am playing in the bowl game. I owe it to my teammates. And he didn't pull one of those things where he half-assed it in the bowl games. He didn't want to get hurt, as we just mentioned. He balled against Michigan. You know, he balls every year in bowl games and things. So that tells me that the guy takes his craft seriously and loves to play. And he was a very vocal leader on this team as well. Now, sometimes said some stupid things, nothing stupid to the point of things he'd ever regret, but, you know, a little mouthy, but he is a leader on that team. And a leader is something that, you know, this defense could desperately use, especially with Landon Collins being gone. You know, if he if he does you know get drafted, you could see him pretty quickly becoming a leader on a team. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I think is most important, aside from that, yeah, I agree with you. Um, that what I think Betcher is going to look for from his defensive backs, but particularly the safety position, are guys that can blitz. And when I watch this draft class, there are a bunch of great safeties. Like I said, you know, Mike Bell and you know Deontay Thompson, Jonathan Abram. Not all of them can blitz. And not all of them can do it well. Chauncey Gardner not only did it often at Florida, but did it well. He didn't have to get home. He just had to disrupt the throw. And he mm-hmm. he sheds blocks really well. He runs over running backs. I mean, that's what you need. That's what you want. He's really good at attacking downfield. And I, th- I think that's something that they're going to look for. The Betcher, the Betcher defense is pretty similar to the Todd Grantham defense. That kind of 3-4-ish, but kind of multiple in the, in the, mm-hmm. in the looks that they show. So that would not be a very difficult... Uh, transition from him to go from one to the other. Yeah, and and not to mention this is a guy that doesn't need to grow at all. He's six feet and two hundred and five pounds. He's already pretty pretty mm-hmm. set in his size. I mean, you have your standard college player needs to add a little bit of muscle thing, and that's about it. I mean, that that always helps, and you know, playing in the SEC always helps. That being said, I found one guy I didn't expect to play to, to jump off the page at me was a guy from Maryland, Darnell Savage. Um. And I, I discovered him because I don't really follow a lot of like sites or whatever. I just kind of, you know, I just go through my emotions or whatever. I found him on a Dwayne Haskins tape where Maryland hmm. almost upset Ohio State. He played like an animal in that game. Hmm. If you have the chance, watch Darnell Savage, Maryland and Ohio State from last year. Um, he didn't have an interception, but he caused one by jumping a route and deflecting a pass up in the air that turned into a pick six. Now, Maryland just barely lost that game in the closing seconds of overtime, I believe. I think, yes. I do, do think it went to overtime. Um, there's another dude, you know, 5'11", 200 pounds, pretty similar, plays all over the place, and is very, very, very downhill. I think he's probably faster than Gardner. Um, I think he probably covers a little bit better. He's a violent hitter. I mean, I think the Giants would absolutely – benefit from having a guy like this and i think he would even fall further in the draft than gardner you know partly because of his school i i think well, i mean maryland's uh you know they're a big 10 school it's not like he's not like delaware you mentioned the other guy before oh yeah well i, I agree um yes maryland is a big 10 school um but i mean i think i think there's just something to be said about 
Florida guys, uh, you know, Alabama guys, Florida yeah. State guys, probably Georgia guys, is, certainly. The Big Ten is in the SEC. I mean, it's not the WAC, but it's also not the SEC. But it's also it's also not Ohio State. You know, it's not Michigan. You know. Yeah. But, but I'm also talking about a. a so you're still playing you know, the same competition. Ten draft spots. You know, ten twenty draft spots that I'm talking about here. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, if you have the chance to watch Darnell Savage play Ohio State, he's all over the field, making tackles in open space, throwing guys around, jumping routes, you know, blitzing. Outstanding. Uh, those are the only two guys. The only other person I could think of maybe is Taylor Rapp from Washington. Um, and you know, again, it's because I think he's an instinctive and effective blitzer. But mm-hmm. I, I think that maybe he struggles a little too much in uh, pass coverage, personally. He plays high a lot, but in mostly zone coverage. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if safety is still a high pick. You know, I, I think that uh, this defense is in for a major overhaul. And I, I know that the, the draft it's, this year is heavy it's gotta get, defensive It's got to get young. It's got to get young. It's one of those mm-hmm. positions where – We've rebuilt for right now and temporary, but with older guys. And if what we mentioned earlier, how you need to build a team with the draft, this is definitely one of those, you know, positions that's going to have to be, you know, eventually be considered with young guys. Yeah, and and you know, Bethay, Michael Thomas, those guys are not long-term solutions. They're older guys. They're leaders. They can get guys together. They're stopgaps. They're stopgaps exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I don't think there's going to be any more free agent moves that are going to happen. But it's you know, not not at the safety position. Maybe defensive back when we get into corners and stuff. But I don't know. I I I'm actually I'm excited to see what this Giants team does this year in terms <laughs> of growth. Well, that's 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 an interesting thing. We're talking about growth with a bunch of stop gaps yeah growth, I'm, growth, see growth. i'm excited for the draft everybody else wants a move to happen yesterday i'm i'm excited to see what happens with the 12 to the, the league high 12 draft picks by the way oh i agree with you 100 percent because like as we, again we sound like a broken record the draft is the future of this team and the draft is what the core of this team you know that's just you know all the criticism you can say about Gettleman, if you believe in a plan or not a plan or believe in this free agent move or not this free agent move, Gettleman will be on this job for as long as he wants to be if he has successful drafts like he did last year. Last year was a very good draft. You know, So far, so good. He needs three, four more of those at least for this team to be really considered competitive and to you know, become a playoff contender going forward. So 100%, I'm with you. 100%, yeah, yeah. I, I you know... Free agent moves are nice, and they're they're splashy, and they're quick. They're like sugar rushes to kind of give you a little adrenaline. But end of the day, you know, a young safety that we can grow in this team, a young, you know, defensive end, you know, guys like that are we're going to make this team, you know, relevant in the next couple of years. I'm with you. Well, let's do. Let's end this really quickly. Do you feel that this team is better right now than it was at the time we recorded last week? We recorded Tuesday. We recorded um, right at, it was after the Beckham trade. It was before so, the Golden Tate and before the Goldens were signed. I, I 100%. Um, 
So you had Golden Tate come in. He's part of the wide receiver core. We had already traded away Olivier Vernon. We now have Marcus Golden. Mm-hmm. Um, Antoine Bethay, I don't think, was signed yet. So that's, he wasn't that's, signed yet, no. You have two bona fide starters, at least, as, as safeties. Yeah, we hadn't officially lost anybody in the last week. And, like, you know, we, we didn't mention this either when we were talking about Cody Latimer. Corey Coleman was offered a tender, so he's not going anywhere. That's correct. So So now you have... You know, I don't see people mentioning this at all, but I think your starting wide receivers are Sterling Shepard, uh, Co- uh, Corey Coleman, and Cody Latimer. It's not uh, the sorry, worst. sorry, 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 sorry. Golden Tate, um, Corey Coleman, yeah. and Sterling Shepard. Yeah. It's not the worst wide receiver rotation in the league, and it's not the worst we've had in the last three years at different parts of the season due to injuries. And, and not for nothing, I you know I know Adam Thielen turned into a monster in Minnesota, but when they were going ahead with Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, that's not exactly the sexiest duo at the time. That's right. It turned out to be, but you know, definitely not, you know, they're all, they're all good guys. Kyle Rudolph, Stefan Diggs, and uh, Adam Thielen. Now they're looked at like, Oh my God, Adam Thielen, throw some money at him. Kyle Rudolph, throw some money at him. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that Shermer's office requires a, Randy Moss. No. So. Yeah, I think, yes, since the last time we recorded, I think without a doubt they're better than they were. Since last year, are they better? Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't think so, talent-wise. I think they're in a better position to move forward because they're jumping yeah. off contracts, right? Right, right. You may not see it on the field necessarily this year, but as an organization, they'll be in better place. Yes. And that's all we can hope for with this team because they're gonna we're gonna be in for another rocky ride this year. A lot of extra extra Jamison and Cokes for us. Yeah. That's that I there's no, never a shortage, you know. Through through good times and bad times, Jamison is always there. So <laughs> let's go let's get to our sponsor, Jamison Irish Whiskey. Um, <laughs> I hope you all had a great St. Patrick's Day and uh had yourself an Irish car bomb or two. I know I walked into a wall. Oh my God! If anybody go look on, uh, don't, don't go do look it. on Twitter at football underscore grump and see the nice knot on uh, Junior's head. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wall just walked up and tackled him. To be fair, I was not in my own residence when I did it, and the lights were off and my contacts were out. Um, <laughs> but I did collide face first with a wall at three in the morning. Stupid wall. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, if that's not a perfect metaphor for the Giants season, I don't know what is. So with that, let's go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.